I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Welcome to Sportsmall's Premier League Preview Podcast. I'm Barney Corkill. I'm here with Pascal Lemaire to discuss game week four of the new Premier League season. Manchester City maintained their 100% start to the season last weekend with victory over Everton and they're one of three teams yet to concede in the league alongside Liverpool and Manchester United, while Leicester joined those teams in the top four. At the bottom, Sunderland got their first point of the season, while West Brom are also on a point after they became the first team to lose to Chelsea this season. Looking ahead to this week is the last round of fixtures before the international break and the transfer window closes and it sees four of the six remaining unbeaten teams go head-to-head. We'll start with Saturday lunchtime's game between Newcastle and Arsenal. Both drew nil-nil last time out, Pascal. We'll start with Arsenal, a stalemate against Liverpool. What did you make of their performance? Um, well, it's a bit of a cliche, but certainly a game of two halves, wasn't it? In the first half, Arsenal really, really poor. I mean, you know, they were giving, away, giving it away at the back. Chambers especially just kept giving the ball away. And Liverpool had, you know, countless chances. To, and they should have probably been two, three, four goals ahead at half-time. You know, they hit the woodwork twice through Coutinho. First one, very unlucky. Second one, brilliant save by Czech. And then, you know, Czech made another brilliant save from Benteke. And, you know, Liverpool could have easily been sort of out of sight there. But, you know... That Arsenal were quite lucky to be goalless at half-time still, and they certainly uh, fought back well in the second half. They didn't have as many good chances as Liverpool did in the first half, but you know they did have chances to win the game. You know Sanchez, especially he hit the post, and they did have other chances. But I certainly, you know, Wenger said you know he was pleased with the second half performance, but you wouldn't say just because they played better they deserved much more from the game. You know Liverpool were the better team in the first half and. Probably over the whole game, you would have said they deserved it more. I don't know how it finished nil nil really, but you know it wasn't a great performance. You know, still without a goal at home as well. You know, it's slightly worrying for them at the moment. Yeah, he's mentioned without a goal at home. There, it's going to be interesting who starts up front for this one. I think Giroud. You understand? I thought he was always going to start against Liverpool because he offers an aerial threat against Skirtle, but Skirtle won pretty much everything in the air in that game. Giroud never really got into the game and really, never really did much. He is capable of something spectacular. He showed against Palace a really good goal a couple of weeks ago, but. Against this Newcastle defence, I think Walcott might be more suited to it. Collegini and Taylor, they haven't got much pace. They started against as a centre-back pa- pa- partnership sorry, against Manchester United. So I just wonder if he's going to start with Walcott through the middle. Walcott ended the season superbly last season and people thought he was going to start this season as the main striker ahead of Giroud. He hasn't done that yet. He's come on. He hasn't shown too much when he has come on, but I think he might get a chance from the start today because I think he's better suited to take advantage of this Newcastle defence than Giroud is. Yeah, you mentioned the Newcastle defence there. You know, Arsenal, I think, they'll probably consider the fact that I think they did well to keep Liverpool out considering, you know, it was Chambers and Gabriel that started in the middle, you know. It was a real blow for them, you know. No one really knew that Mertesacker and Koscielny would both be out and I think this weekend, I think Koscielny's still going to be out but Mertesacker will be back. That'll be a big boost. And it'll be interesting to see who he goes with alongside Mertesacker. I think the amount of mistakes Chambers made, I think Gabriel probably looked better than him so it'll probably be him there. But I think the, you know, home form is worrying for Arsenal, isn't it? You know, they just... They, Usually they can go on these runs where they just look invincible at home, but then there's other times, like they've started this season, you know, lose 2-0 at home to West Ham, 0-0 with Liverpool, where they look really uneasy at home and they can't, can't quite find their best form. But away from home, they're doing a little better. You know, I think they're unbeaten in seven if you date back to last season in the Premier League, and only Chelsea last season got more points than them on the road. So away, <coughs> sorry, excuse me, away performance has certainly been, I would say, you know, better than at home. But yeah, they need to improve that home form if they can have any chance of going for the title this year. Yeah, moving on to Newcastle, they'll fancy their chances of keeping Arsenal out. They kept Manchester United out. A little fortunate to do so last time out. Of United had so many chances to win that game. They really should have done it, but just misfiring the likes of Memphis Depay and Wayne Rooney. Both had good chances to win the game. Krull ended up having to make eight saves, but only probably two of them were actually... He actually stretched to make the tough saves to him to make the rest were straight at him. So United didn't really do much of that and Newcastle you have to say defensively their last line of defence was superb in that game Koscielny uh, Koscielny sorry Colocini had a great game at the centre back Krull had a good game despite most of his saves being straightforward and they'll take a lot of heart from that they're still looking for their first league win under Steve McLaren they got one in the League Cup which was a good a decent performance but we always expect them to win that match 
they need that. They need to get that first league win under their belts. I think the match against Manchester United, they could have won that in the end, that despite being on the back foot for so long. Mitrovic came closest to scoring with when he hit the bar with a, a magnificent header. It really was. And then late on, just after Smalling had hit the post for United, they broke up, had a three-on-one situation. Cisse didn't really make the most of it, and it was just beyond the the foot of Florian Tavan, the new signing. And they could have won that late on, and they probably should have won it with those chances as well. They fortunate not to concede it has to be said but they could they had the chances to win that and McLaren will see that as something to build on I think for the future certainly and I think he'll certainly be impressed by uh, Tovan's performances you know came off came on against United and certainly looked dangerous like I say almost got the winner at the end there and in the League Cup against Northampton he scored one I think he played a part in all three of the other goals as well 4-1 win so you know Newcastle you know recent years they've certainly signed a lot of players from League 1 you know French players and some have done really well you know Sissoko's impressed me in the last couple of seasons but there's others that haven't done quite so well but at the moment you know Tovan looks like a great signing and you know McLaren like you say still look, still searching for that first Premier League win but you, know, you look at the start they've had it has been difficult Southampton at home Southampton were brilliant last season you know, then they go to Swansea who have looked great and then they go to Manchester United and I think two draws out of three in those games isn't actually that bad and obviously Arsenal here is another really tough one so it has been a difficult start to them, for them and you know they've got Chelsea and City coming up as well in the next few games so it's certainly not been an easy start for McLaren, but he, like I say, he just needs that win you know, to give the club a boost, and then they'll certainly have an easier run of fixtures around October-November time. So it's been a tough start for him, but you know, you know, certainly some positive signs. Do you give them any chance of getting that first win under McLaren here? I don't. I think Arsenal will be certainly out to put, up, put in a big statement because you know, that first-half performance against Liverpool was so poor. I think they could go to town here because they've, they, they have looked better away from home recently, and I think... I think they might run right here. I'm going to go after a 3-0 away win. 3-0. There are, they've been a little unpredictable so far, Arsenal, but when they hit their stride, and Newcastle team, they'd fancy their chance against, even though they've had a, a solid start to the season. So I'm going to go for a fairly comfortable Arsenal win as well. I'm going to go for 2-0. So both going for fairly comfortable Arsenal victories. So we both see Arsenal winning that one. Let's move on to the 3pm kickoffs on Saturday. First up, Villa versus Sunderland. Both sides involved in really high-scoring midweek cup games, Barnes, but let's talk about Sunderland's last league game, a first point at home to Swansea. Yeah, very important to get that first point on the board, and it was a very good point as well, I think, against Swansea, considering the start they've had to the season. They've been one of the most impressive teams in the Premier League so far. When you consider the Sunderland's first two games, they were absolutely woeful against Leicester, as, as particularly 4-2 losing that game, and then 3-1 against Norwich as well in their second game. A terrible start to the season. Not many people would have been backing them to get anything out of that Swansea game, considering how both sides have started the season. So to get a point, it's a really good result for them. They're perhaps a little lucky to get it. I mean, Swansea... They were on top for a long spell. They just couldn't find that goal. Ayu hit the post with a header. Gomez's goal, you have to say, for Swansea was a really good finish as well. Defoe hit back with a really good finish of his own. So there's certainly something to build on for Dick Advocate there. There's still a long way to go defensively. They were still a bit dodgy at times, it must be said, and that's somewhere they need to improve if they're going to stay up this season. They simply have to because they've been terrible the first two games particularly, and then there were signs. John O'Shea came back and shored them up a little bit in this weekend, but... They need to improve there, but there are encouraging signs for Dick Advocate so far from that game, I think. I think I think the worst thing for me, looking at it recently, is that first half performance against Exeter. You know, you welcome Exeter, a lower league team, and Avocat, you know, put out. I think he's near strongest team. He sort of wanted to. I think he wanted to let the first team have a chance to like prove to him that they were doing well. And you know, they concede three goals in the first half. I mean, I know they scored three themselves, but to concede like that, I mean, they but they run out six three winners in the end. Defoe gets a hat trick, but. You know, some of the goals they conceded in that game, like you mentioned O'Shea there, I just you could see his face sometimes. He sort of stood in an okay position and the players around him they keep leaving too much gaps and he just kept putting his head in his hands every time they conceded and you you just wonder about that defence, you know. I mean, we talked about Kabul before, you know, that's a weird signing because he's had a couple of really bad years and I look at the other players in that defence and there's just not that much there where you think right, they're going to be able to keep out any Premier League team, you know, no clean sheet so far, plenty of goals conceded, you know, they conceded eight in three yeah. games, you know. It's been a really poor start defensively, like you said, and you just wonder, you know, a good defence is how are you going to stay up? You know, you've got to, got to have some clean sheets, and if they don't do that, I can't really see them outscoring many other teams, so I think they're really in trouble. Yeah, they, as you mentioned, they have conceded more goals than anyone else in the Premier League from the opening three games. Not surprising, considering, and then to concede three against Exeter as well, terrible. And that's probably the priority for Advocate, but up front, I think Defoe is going to be vital for them. There's been some links that he might move away from the club, that he wants to move away from the club, because... They haven't shown much promise in the start of the season. He came out after the Swansea game and said it was a big improvement. May encourage a few Sunderland fans that he might stay. I think it's vital that they they keep him because 
None of the other strikers are real goal-getters. Fletcher, he's not prolific by any means. Defoe's the only player they've really got who, when the ball comes to him in the box, you're backing to find the back of the net. Mentioned his goal against Swansea, really good finish. Hat-trick in midweek against Exeter. So he's in good form now, four goals in his last two games. They need to keep him scoring, need to keep him at the club first and foremost, I think. Yeah, as for Villa, you know, midweek they also welcomed a lower league side, Notts County, uh, to Villa Park and ended up coming through, you know, just just about. But they conceded three as well against the lower league side, so that's poor as well. But their last league game at the weekend, they go to Palace, who have had a pretty good start. Everyone's talking about Palace and how good they could do this season. And, you know, Villa go there, and I think Tim Sherwood will be disappointed the way they ended up losing because, you know, they conceded that first goal to Scott Dan. Uh, from a set piece especially but then they get back on level terms pretty quickly it was a brilliant run down the right by Traore who also scored in midweek the kid from Barcelona I was really impressed with that run he just burned past two players looked like he just had an extra sort of speed boost on him it was a fantastic run and then got the own goal and then to then get level and there was still only about 10 minutes to go I think in the game and then they give the ball away cheaply in midfield Sacco gets it and then sticks it in the corner it was a very disappointing goal to concede like that and that's another defeat in the Premier League. So they got off to a good start, you know, going to Bournemouth and winning on the first day. That was a decent start for them. But since then, you know, in the Premier League, it hasn't been great. Two defeats since then. And, yeah, I mean, they got through in the Cup and then they got a draw against Birmingham. That's a fantastic draw for them, a massive local derby there. So that'll be a great game for them. But I think a defeat to Palace, the way it happened, giving the ball away. And, yeah, after getting back on level terms, very disappointing. I think the next two games over the side of the international break are absolutely vital for Aston Villa. This one and then they've got Leicester after that. And then West Brom, who are at the bottom of the table right now, they might fancy their chance of getting something out of that Midlands derby as well. Sunderland and Leicester especially, they're expected to be in and around the relegation zone, as are Aston Villa. They need to win those sorts of games if they want to stay up this season. After that, they've got a really tough run. I think they've got six consecutive games against teams who finished in the top ten last season. So they they need to get points on the board now that, as you mentioned, the win against Bournemouth was a decent start to the season, but they haven't been able to build on that. And right now, these next three games, if you count the West Brom one as well, which is never an easy one against the Tony Pulis side, but if they can get the points on the board, get a little bit of a run going, even get some confidence going into the tough run you might fancy a chance of picking some points up there as well so and it's only match day four but you know this game sort of seems quite important already at the bottom of the table you know three points for either of these teams could give them a real boost going into the international break what's your score prediction it's a tough one isn't it because you never know what you're going to get with both of these teams they've been poor defensively Sunderland especially so it wouldn't be a surprise if we saw quite a few goals I think it can go for a two-all draw yeah. I'm going to back goals as well here and I, I think I'm just going to side with Villa I just haven't seen enough in Sunderland so I'm going to go for a 3-2 Villa win so both see goals in this one one draw and a Villa win so goals galore at Villa Park there moving on to Bournemouth versus Leicester Start with the home side, Pascal got their first Premier League win of the season last time out, and what a game it was. It was a great game, 4-3 at West Ham, and yeah, really important for them to get that first win out of the way, because they've been, you know, two 1-0 defeats to start the season, they've been you know, quite unlucky against Liverpool and Aston Villa, but you know, certainly not against West Ham, it could have easily been more, you know, they played absolutely brilliantly, and Callum Wilson with the hat-trick as well, the headline, you know, brilliant, brilliant performance, and I think that's really big for him to get those goals, because I, you know, he got so many chances in the Championship last year, and I think that I've said before that, you know, I worried if he... You know, might struggle with the finishing if he was going to get less chances against Premier League teams. But some of his finishing, you know, the first goal, especially that volley, was absolutely fantastic. Or first, really difficult as well, fired in and to hit that first time into the net like that was a brilliant, brilliant goal. And so many other players impressed as well. Gradle really impressed. He should have scored one chance, but he really impressed me as well. And just yeah, it was a fantastic performance. And now, you know, a home game here against Leicester. You know, their second home game of the, of the season now, and the, the mood will be really good around the, the camp, especially because they beat Hartlepool in midweek as well, four 0 away from home in the cup. You know, things looking good for them and certainly that win at West Ham was really impressive. Yeah, they'll be absolutely flying, weren't they? Eight goals in the last two games. They were such an attacking force in the Championship, but their first two games against Aston Villa and Liverpool, they had chances to score and they didn't seem to have that attacking, that finishing product in the in the final third after making the step up from the Championship. But as you say, that was completely evident against West Ham. Four more goals against Hartlepool. And I think it's so important for them to get that monkey off their back. It was everything about it, the first goal and then to get three more goals after that the first point the first win I think it's important now for them to get a home win under their belts because you think with relegation uh, relegation candidates if they are to stay up it's usually based on a good home record so they need to they need to get that first home win under the belt I've said before about the atmosphere at their, their home stadium for Premier League games it feels more like a cup game I think as they grow into the season more that will be less and less the case and 
as soon as they get that first win under the belt and they start feeling that they belong at this level, which they do, and they showed that against West Ham, they're more than capable of competing at this level, then things will start getting better and better for them and they'll fancy their chances now after a couple of really good games for them. Yeah, I think there's certainly boosts, you know, in terms of the selection for Howe as well. Harry Arter, who was their best midfielder last season, he hasn't been able to start the season. You know, he's he's got had a hip injury, but I think he's about sort of rated 50% for this game. And even if he can't come back for this one, then there's the international break, so he should be definitely fit after the international break. Once he comes back, that's a big boost because in central midfield they've been playing, you know, Union O'Kane, who last season hardly played at all because you know last season Eddie Howe basically had a fully fit squad the whole year and he could pick his first choice eleven pretty much every week, but hasn't been able to do that this year. He sort of played Gosling, O'Kane, and with Sermon in midfield. But I think if Art comes back, that could be huge for them. Christian Atsu, who. You know, it didn't really work out for him at Everton last year, but earlier on this year he was named the best player of the tournament at the uh, Africa Cup of Nations. So he came, he played against Hartlepool in midweek. So if he can come back and do things, you know, they've got, certainly got exciting players. You know, Wilson's really quick and exciting. They've got Gradle, Matt Ritchie, who's certainly. I was worried if he'd be able to make the step up because he was great in the championship, but he he's looked really bright in the Premier League. But you know, Gradle, Atsu, Ritchie, there's some really exciting players around Wilson and. Even if sometimes they might, you know, concede a couple of goals, you know, like they did against West Ham, you certainly feel with all that talent that they could outscore a lot of teams like they did against West Ham. So, yeah, like I say, things are looking really good for Bournemouth. If Art comes back as well, that'd be a huge boost. And I see they're in for Lewis Graben as well. And I mean, I'm not sure they necessarily need another striker. Graben, the situation at Norwich is weird because he um, went AWOL from the hotel, I think, in midweek. And, and they've got Camorgan and you know Ranty, a couple of other strikers up there. But yeah, like I say, I think the squad is looking really good at the moment. They've, they've made that. Ad- adapted to the Premier League well and Eddie Howe he's just they, they play such good football I think before the season they would have earmarked this game as one that they might be able to get three points from but Leicester they've started the season magnificently well just picked up exactly where they left off at the end of last season when they did that great escape Ranieri's done a superb job coming in still unbeaten lost their 100% record last time out against Tottenham but even then they were fairly unfortunate to lose that Mares ran the show again he's been so good so far this season got another goal and a really well taken goal as well proper quality goal that's 4-3 and three for him he's already equalled his total from last season uh, in three games this time around and he hit the post as well so it could, he could have got a second in that match it's quite, they did really well to bounce back because obviously they conceded fairly late on and then bounced back with that equaliser straight away and some teams that were expected to be relegation candidates they may have let their heads drop there, but Leicester are in just such good form that that, that was never going to happen. They were never going to give Tottenham an easy time of it. And Vanier would be delighted with the start his side had made. And we'll see this as another chance to, to carry on that winning run because Bournemouth, as we say, they've been encouraging, but Leicester have just started the season so well. They've been one of the standout performers in the league so far. Mm. You mentioned Mahrez there, and they've got so many other sort of players. I mean, I've completely forgotten about Kramerich, that he was still there mm. until I saw him in the League Cup in midweek. Now, they've still got him as an option. Ujoa, who you know, looked good in periods last season, he's barely got a look in because of how well Okazaki is playing. You mentioned Mahrez there, who's doing fantastically. And you just look at their run since April the 1st, you know, 29 league points since the start of April, if you date back to last season. That's more than anyone else. Only Man City have scored more than them this year. You know, one of six unbeaten teams. All the stats for Leicester that they are brilliant and like I say so many positives and I think what really impressed me you mentioned it there was how they hit back straight away against Spurs because you know that, that game against Spurs it had been fairly even you know not too many chances and you felt that going towards the final 10 minutes that probably Leicester might nick it just because they're the home team and they were in a really good vein of form but when Ali scored that goal you just thought uh, could this be their bubble bursting and then you worried that it might sort of set off a tail of events that you know might sort of lead to a dip in form but the way they hit back straight away and with the star man Mares, it just keeps that confidence high doesn't it and yeah they'll go into this game against you know one of the newly promoted teams thinking this is a chance for another three points It should be an entertaining game from what we've seen so far what's your score prediction? I think it, sh- it really should be like you say Bournemouth getting scoring all those goals last weekend Leicester they've been free flowing as well so I think there will be goals in this one I can't really separate the two I'm going to go for a 2-2 draw Yeah I completely agree with that I see goals should be a very very entertaining game Leicester perhaps might go into it as favourites but then Bournemouth will be on a high after those two last results so I'm going to agree with the two-all draw there so both going for draws in this one so more goals down at the Vitality Stadium let's go to Stamford Bridge where Chelsea host Crystal Palace Barnes will start with Chelsea finally got their first win of the season at the third attempt but certainly wasn't without incident no, not at all it was a superb game for the neutral to watch wasn't it you thought when Chelsea they went 2-0 up you thought Finally, they're back to the Mourinho Chelsea. We know that they're just going to see the game out. Fortunate with Morrison's penalty. It wasn't the best penalty from him. I have to say, a decent save from Courtois. Left his legs out there just in case he did go down the middle. So, a decent save from him. But for West Brom to bounce back, that was really impressive for him. But from a Chelsea point of view, they just can't let those those leads nearly slip the whole time. They were quite fortunate not to, lose, uh, not to draw that game in the end and to get their first win of the season finally. Hasn't been a good start to the season for them. It really hasn't. As you say, a very incident-packed game. Terry obviously getting sent off after getting subbed uh, the week before that. So 
he was actually playing quite well in the game before that. Rondon had a good game for West Brom, but Terry was having a decent game. There was speculation over whether he'd start. In the end, it was Cahill got dropped. But for, so Terry did start and he played quite well, but obviously they're going to miss him now for the next uh, few games through suspension. That'll be a blow. And it's just not going right for Chelsea at the moment. They did get that win. It was a big win for them, I think. Mourinho said after the match that he thought people wanted Chelsea to lose. I'm not sure that's particularly true. I think they got a lot of praise for their how well they were performing last season because they looked like a perfectly balanced team. Every member of their, their team was doing their job, but it hasn't been the case for a lot of the season. Matic, he gave away the penalty. He's been far short of his best. Fabregas has been far short of his best. So it wasn't entirely convincing from them, but to get that first win of the season, it's a very important thing for the champions and they'll look to build on that now. Yeah, certainly, I don't think Mourinho really mind how it happened as long as they got that first win. And you know, you talk about Matic and Fabregas not performing. Hazard's been quiet as well. You know, brilliant last season. I mean, Costa's been. I, mean, I know he got his first goal of the season, but he was quite quiet as well. But you know, the shining light was the debut performance of Pedro, wasn't it? Brilliant debut from him. You know, a fortunate goal to open the scoring. You know, with that big deflection. But then, you know, setting up the second goal, and he just looks so bright. You know, he's the sort of player that you imagine will fit well in the Premier League. He's not. You, know, you imagine players who don't work so quite so well, like a Balotelli who's just lazy, but Pedro coming through at Barcelona like he has, you know, the work ethic that those Barcelona players have, he just scurries around everywhere and it was, it was a brilliant, brilliant debut from him. So defensively, there's problems with all the Terry stuff and, you know, the amount of goals they've conceded, but, you know, certainly further forward, if Pedro can provide that outlook, especially with Oscar injured at the moment, you know, William not performing, Hazard not performing, Costa not performing, you know, Falcao still looks short of his best whenever he comes off the bench, so... If Pedro can provide that spark just to sort of help the other players up there, it could be huge for them. You've got to give Chelsea credit for going and actually getting him because he looked destined for Manchester United as well. City were also interested and after the start they had had to the season. May, some, some people may have preferred a move to City considering Chelsea had started so poorly, but they, they got him, they, they got their man and it looks to be a really shrewd signing. They're looking for John Stones now at the back and I think that would be another good signing for him. Whether he'd start every week at Chelsea remains to be seen, perhaps with the way... The centre-backs have started the season. He will go straight in the lineup, especially with Terry being suspended now. He has been very good for Everton this season. He's been. I, I wasn't really too sure whether the hype was deserved all through last season, but the start of this season for Everton, he's been so composed against Manchester City for Everton, against arguably the best attacking lineup in the league at the moment. He was re- he put in a really good performance up against the Guerra. So I think that would be a, a fantastic signing for them. And they need something to shore up the defence because last season they... As we, as we know, they had the best defensive record in the league, but they've conceded seven goals in the first three games. Only Sunderland have conceded more, and we know how poor defensively Sunderland have been. At home as well, they conceded two against Swansea on the opening day of the season after conceding only nine home goals all last season. So I think something needs to change there, and Stones may be the man to give them the boost. I think it would be a really good signing for them, but certainly for the future, maybe for this season as well. So certainly plenty of problems at Chelsea but you know Palace going to this game above Chelsea in the table you know two wins to their name and you know last time out uh, home to Aston Villa it was a massive win for them to you know especially at home because their home record's been poor and I think the Villa result you know they they played all right against Arsenal the week before you know but ended up losing there but I think the Villa game certainly some real positives from the game you know Balassi missed out and Bakary Sacco came in and he was really sharp you know really bright got the winning goal as well good finish into the far corner he could have had a couple of others as well there's a couple of really good saves and I think it was a really good performance for them, you know, because Villa went into that. There's quite a decent mood around Villa at the moment. They've had a, you know, good, decent enough start to the season, but Palace went there, decent performance. And I think, you know, there was the controversy about the disallowed goal, and that could have easily sort of thrown them, thrown them off a bit. And you know, they then take the lead through Scott Dan, but Villa hit back quite late on, and I think it was just showed really good character from Palace, you know, to go and get that winner. I mean, I know it was quite lucky the way Sacco got the ball it was a stupid pass from the Villa player, but for him to finish it like that, and it's another win for them, six points out of nine. And a lot of people tipping Palace for a real you know, run towards the top six this season. Yeah, it's, it's Sacco's just another one of those players that is just so deadly on the counter-attack as well. He, he, as you say, put in a really good performance. And if they've got the likes of him, Balassi, Zahar, all that pace down the flanks especially, it's no surprise that it's so impressive away from home. It's important for them to get a, a, a home win last time out. But away from home is where they were most impressive last season. They picked up more points away than they did at home. I think only four teams had a better record than them away from home. And... They're now, they've won seven of their last nine away games. Only Chelsea have beaten them away from home since March, I think it is. So it's easy to see where their strengths lie. It's that counter-attacking ability, and they're so dangerous against teams like that. Chelsea will be expecting to see most of the ball. But when you consider that their, their full-backs haven't had the best start to the season, Ivanovic especially, as Piliqueta struggled a bit despite his goal against West Brom, they might struggle against these 
Palace wide players on the counter-attack. And if Palace can play that game plan, they're so good at playing away from home, especially under Pardew, who's got a superb record away from home in charge of them, then they'll cause Chelsea problems, I think. Certainly. I think they'll go into this game maybe thinking that Chelsea could be there for the taking. You know, a lot of problems there, but Chelsea, they'll, they'll be desperate to get their first home win of the season. What's your score prediction? Desperate to get first clean sheet as well, but I don't see that happening. But as I mentioned, those wingers could give those Chelsea fullbacks who are out of form a bit of problems. I still think Chelsea will win the match, but I think it'll be quite close. I'm going to go for 2 1 to Chelsea. 2 1, yeah. I think I'm going to back Chelsea as well. I think it might be a bit more comfortable. I think. I think we're due a sort of really good performance from Hazard or a really dominant performance from Costa. So I'm going to go 3-1 to Chelsea. So both picking Chelsea to win this one. Moving on to Anfield, where Liverpool are hosting West Ham. Pascal, will start with the visitors. Failed to defeat to Bournemouth last time out in a very dramatic game as well. Yeah, they've really struggled, haven't they, since that brilliant opening day win at Arsenal. They had two home games against Leicester and Bournemouth. You know, two sides. If you did a sort of prediction league at the start of the season, you'd probably expect both of those to finish below West Ham. But they've been comprehensively beaten in both 2-1 to Leicester and then fourth. I mean, it's only, I know it's only one goal each time, but you know, conceding four to a newly promoted team at home is very disappointing. You know, some of the goals they conceded, I mean... Aaron Cresswell, he was brilliant in his debut year last season, but the first two goals, both really poor mistakes. The first one, he tries to let it run out of play. You just don't need to take a risk there. And then the second one, trying to pass it back to the keeper. I don't know what he's thinking, really, really poor. You know, Then they get themselves back into the game to 2-2, and then you might have expected them to push on. But you know, the way Bournemouth play football, you know, away from home, West Ham just couldn't, didn't have control. Bournemouth are the ones having control. Talk about Cresswell having a bad game. Jenkinson really struggled against Max Gradle as well, got himself sent off. You know, it's just another lazy piece of defending. You know, trying to let the ball come down. Gradle gets there first, and then just tugs him back. I don't know what he's doing there. And just yeah, real problems there for Slavin Bilic. You know, it was a really impressive start going to win at Arsenal, but you know, Arsenal were very off colour that day. And since then, I think you know West Ham has been a real drop in form. And that that performance against Bournemouth, conceding four like that, so so poor. So many errors defensively as well, wasn't there? I think you could point to every single goal and see something West Ham could have done def- uh, better defensively. I think it's going to be quite interesting under. Slavon Bilic with West Ham, how they perform against the big teams because, as you mentioned, they'll be so disappointed to lose to two expected relegation candidates after such a good performance against Arsenal. It was a very good performance. People started tipping them for Europe. I was among them after that performance because they they deserved the win away at Arsenal. Such a tough place to go, particularly for a manager who hasn't managed in the Premier League before, but he got his tactics spot on. Just stopped Arsenal from playing and the likes of Paye had a superb game in that one. For them to do that and then lose the next two games, it'll be so disappointing for them. I just wonder whether they're going to be better suited away from home under Slavon Bilic. They were poor away from home last season. They only won three games all season. But it'll be interesting under Bilic if they're any better than that. Maybe they'll be better against the big teams. Is Bilic better at sorting his teams out to to break on the counter-attack if they got better players on the counter-attack to play on the back foot and then hit the big teams on the break rather than perhaps breaking down a, a Leicester or a Bournemouth who you have to say they're not exactly defensive teams themselves so perhaps that's not the case but I think this match will tell us a lot regarding that whether West Ham are a team for the big occasion and then against the, the lower teams, the teams you'd expect them to finish above would struggle a bit more. It'd be interesting to see, I think. Yeah, I think certainly if they can pull off another shock here, it'd be huge for Billich just himself because you feel he's slightly under pressure already. Those sort of home defeats really do put the pressure on you as a manager. And, you know, if he can get a win here, it'd be absolutely huge for him. But he's got a lot of selection worries, isn't he? You know, up front, you know, Diafrasacco, who I thought would have a really good start to the season. You know, he looked quite bright in pre-season and, and in Europe, but... You know, he's having these problems with the police. He's been arrested and all that, so that's not good for him. And then Carroll, Valencia still out injured. I mean, they're looking to bring in strikers, you know, linked with Adebayor and I think Zaza from Juventus. And, you know, obviously not long to go, you know, less than a week now until the transfer window closes. So, certainly, I think you've, they've certainly got to get someone in because you can't rely on Carroll. You know, the, the injury Valencia had is quite serious. It's always quite difficult coming back from that. Carroll's, you know, a crocket. He'll never be able to complete more than 10 games in a row, probably the way he, he's, he's sort of had in the last sort of three years. And, there's certainly problems there. You know, Jenkinson suspended after that red card. Adrian also suspended here. So selection worries for them. And they certainly don't look as strong as when they went to Arsenal. And, you know, the performances of Zerate, Paye, you know, they've gone cold in these last two games. And you think that certainly Liverpool will see West Ham as probably there for the taking. Yeah, they come up against a Liverpool team who will be pretty confident after that. They only got a nil-nil draw against Arsenal. But the performance is the best performance of the season so far. The worst points hole of the season so far, but the best performance, I think, particularly in that first half. They were all over Arsenal at times. Hit the woodwork twice through Coutinho. 
but for a few magnificent world-class saves from Czech, they would have been perhaps out of sight at half-time, could have been 3-4 up perhaps. Benteke missed that glorious chance, which he really should have scored. But overall, the performance was very good. Arsenal did come back into its second half, but defensively, I think Liverpool were very sound. Minile made a couple of really good saves. Still uh, yet to concede in the league, which is a big plus for them. You'd have to say... Still, no team scored fewer. No, yeah, sorry, no team scored fewer than them in the league this season, which would be a worry. But Benteke, he's impressed me so far against Arsenal. His hold-up play was really good. He bullied the two centre backs for Arsenal at times. They may see Liverpool may see that Arsenal game as a bit of a missed opportunity with Mertesacker and Koscielny both out. But the performance was very encouraging, and, and a draw away to Arsenal is not not a bad result by any stretch of the imagination. No, certainly not. You say about the um, you know the goal struggles this year, but they could have easily had three in that first half. Mm. You know, on another day, Czech doesn't get their fingertips to it. And it's such fine margins. They could have easily had three there, and it was a really really impressive performance. And you know those saves that Czech made. You know he got man of the match in that game, but for me it was Skirtle. I was so impressed in that game. He you know, every time the ball went near him, you know, he, he dealt with different sorts sorts of players as well. You know, he was up against Giroud, who's always, you know, a bit of a handful in the air. And then once Walcott came on, he, you know, he, he always gave, gave himself that yard. He was looking for those runs over the top. He really impressed me. And another player who's impressed me, Joe Gomez. I mean, for me, I was sort of looking at his stats again uh, last night from the championship. He only made 16 starts in the championship for Charlton uh, last year. And I, I really thought, you know, Moreno, you know, out of the team at the start of the season, but I expected Moreno to come back, you know, fairly sharpish. But the way Gomez has been playing, he completely deserves his place in the team. He's been called up to the uh, England under-21s now, uh, along with Jordan Ibe, actually, both their first call-ups. And, yeah, I mean, Gomez, for me, it's weird how well he's playing because you think a guy who was playing right back, you know, in and out of the team in the Championship last year is now playing left back for one of the best teams in the Premier League and the way he's coped with it and he looked really good and he he loves to get forward as well you know a lot of the times Liverpool were on the break there he'd be the one charging up down the left hand side and he, he was often further ahead than Klein who you'd say is more used to going forward in the Premier League and yeah he's really impressed me like I said Skirt will play him really well and you know Klein's going to be a good sign for them down the right so no goals conceded and certainly you know the way they played in that first half. You, you can see more goals coming. Coutinho is playing really well. Like you say, Benteke is doing well. When Sturridge comes back, if he stays fit, he could be a great option as well. And yeah, certainly I think it's you know it's been a decent start for Liverpool. And you know some of the performances, like the ones the first two against Stoke and Bournemouth, weren't great. But the way they played at Arsenal certainly I think shows good signs for the future. Do you think they can carry on their unbeaten start here? I think certainly. Yeah, West Ham. The way they've been playing, you have to probably pick Liverpool for this one. You know. At home, you know, they weren't great against Bournemouth. They certainly want to put in a better performance at Anfield, and I see them winning this fairly comfortably 3 1. Yeah, I'm going to go for a Liverpool home win as well, I think. As you mentioned, West Ham, disappointing. As I say, it'll be quite interesting to see how they set up if they do the same similar job to Liverpool as they did against Arsenal. But Liverpool, I think they'll be really uh, encouraged by that Arsenal result, and I'm going to go for a 2 0 Liverpool win. So both going for Liverpool victories by two goals here. Let's go to the Etihad Stadium where league leaders Manchester City. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Watford. Barnes, two unbeaten sides, but City, top of the table, 100% record, no goals conceded. It's looking really good for them. It is looking good for them. They're still the team to beat at the start of this season. They've started magnificently well, two points clear at the top of the table already. You'd have to say their performance against Everton was probably the least dominant so far of their three games, but they still deserve to win, probably by the two goals as well. It's quite a comfortable victory in the end. Everton did have their moments. Lukaku clipped the bar. Barry had one cleared off the line. Lukaku had a goal disallowed, which was a minimal um, offside given. But at the same time, City, they had that Howard had, was forced into a few really good saves. Howard was probably at fault for both goals, I'd say. Definitely the first one, but perhaps could have done more for the second one as well. But City, they were knocking on the door quite a lot. Aguero didn't have his best game, but he always looked dangerous. Silva just ran the show, um, pulled the strings in the, in the hole there. They've both started the season really well. It's just the, the whole team is playing really well now. You look back to last season when they weren't, they didn't seem to be clicking their key players, the likes of Torre, company, they weren't playing so well. But right now, they're all playing really well. And if they can maintain this start of the season, then they can build up a, a decent gap between them and the rest of the chasing pack. And they could go on a sort of similar sort of dominant season as Chelsea had last season because they've started that well. 
certainly the gap to Chelsea already five points. You know, they're expected to be their main you know, title rivals. And you mentioned company there. I think that defensively is where City have really impressed me because the last two seasons, company, you know, he did so well his first few years in the Premier League. And then I think certainly he's sort of been sort of given a status as just one of the best defenders. But I think certainly last season, especially, and the season before, you know, I just don't think he was one of the best defenders. He made some errors. You know, certainly City weren't keeping enough clean sheets, which they do in this season. And Mangala's playing brilliantly as well. He looked really sort of out of place last season in one of the you know, sort of a top teams defence. He looks certainly out of place and you know Otamendi's come in and spent all that money on him to you know prize him away. He looked like he was going to United all summer and now City have got him but he he'll really struggle to get into the team I think cuz you, know, you look at Kolarov as well. You know he was sort of second choice Premier League left back behind Clichy last season. He's playing so well. I mean Mangala's playing really well. Sanya, he's a very adapted right back. And that, that defence, you know, Joe Hart's a good keeper as well. He looks so solid at the back there. And Otamendi might struggle to get in. And uh, it's interesting the De Bruyne situation as well, because I think he could make a real difference instead of Navas on, on the right of that front three behind uh, Aguero. And, but it looks like Bayern Munich are now in for De Bruyne. And I think Munich are offering Wolfsburg the chance to sort of, they've sort of said, right, we'll agree to buy him, but the move won't go through until next summer. So you can keep uh, De Bruyne for this season. And certainly that would be much more appealing to Wolfsburg if they can have De Bruyne for another season and you wonder if Bayern might just pit them in that race because they haven't quite been able to get the deal done and if they can't you do wonder if Navas might if he becomes the regular starter on down the right you think is that enough sort of him to be there for a title the way he's played recently and with the likes of Sterling Silver Aguero it probably should be but I think if they could get De Bruyne it'd be huge yeah Navas had a decent game against Everton gave gave their fullback a couple of Galloway a couple of problems but as you say, I think De Bruyne is another step up from that if he performs as he did for Wolfsburg rather than he did for Chelsea. If they do get him, they're going to be such a formidable prospect because they've already won nine Premier League games in a row now. So their Premier League record is their best run in the top flight since 1912. It's a 103-year record they've equaled there. And they'll, they'll certainly fancy their chances of breaking that, getting 10 in a row. Joe Hart said after the game that they want nine in a row this season is what they're after. He doesn't care about last season's run and he counts it as a three-game winning streak now which is probably the, the right attitude to have, but you can't argue that they've, they've picked up where they left off last season. It's been a really good run for them, and they've got a decent run coming up. They've got a few games which should test them, the likes of Palace, West Ham, Tottenham, should test them a bit, but they'll, they'll fancy their chances of winning all of them as well. So that, that run keep, could keep on growing and growing. I think their first huge test of the season is away against Manchester United, which, as you know, Manchester Derby is going to be a big game. And until then, they'll look to keep up racking the wins and this this run could grow to like 15, 16 games. I think it certainly could and I think most will probably earmark this game down as just a home banker but you know, Watford come into this, they're still unbeaten, you know, newly promoted side. They started the season really well with that two-all draw at Everton and you know, it certainly could have been, that back could have easily been a win for them that game at Everton. You know, they, they played really well there but you know, since then still unbeaten with it but you know, two nil-nil draws at home to West Brom and Southampton and I think the, the worry is about the goals, you know, because they were scored so many last season and not being able to score in either of those home ones is disappointing. But, you know, the Southampton game, there was not, wasn't many chances at all in that game, was there, Sunday afternoon, and a really tight game, which, you know, Southampton are probably going to be like that on the road. You know, they've got a very solid defence, what they did last season at least, Southampton, and, you know, Watford struggled to break them down. But I think they'll be pleased that they restricted Southampton to so few chances. And, you know, if anything, Watford did have the better chances, but it was it just looked like a nil-nil the whole way through, didn't it? And, for it to finish nil-nil, you know, it's, it's not a bad result against Southampton, but two games at home, no wins, slightly disappointing. Yeah, three draws in a row. It's quite a tough start to the season to decide whether it's a good one or a bad one. You'd have to say for a newly promoted side, it's probably it's a decent one. It's a solid one. They've got three points on the board. Not to lose in your first three games back in the Premier League is a good record. But as you say, that's that um, lack of goals in front, of, that lack of goals so far will be a worry to them. Dini and Icarlo, I'd still back them to get goals this season. I think they're they're good enough to succeed at this level. Icarlo's already got one, of course, this season. But they also drew a blank in the League Cup in midweek against Preston, only Premier League team to get knocked out so far. We're talking before Everton's game against Barnsley, of course. But that that came away from home as well, and that that's going to be the really key for them to improve their away performance. Because last time in the Premier League, they were dreadful away from home. It's what cost them a place in the league. I think they've only won three of the last 39 Premier League away games going back a few years now. So they need to improve that uh, performance. And they made a decent start with that draw on the opening day. But if they can get anything out of this game, then it'll be a very, it'll be a very good performance and certainly their best result of the season so far. Yeah, certainly they need to get that. They want to get that first win soon, but I think they'll obviously take a draw here against the league leads. Did you see them getting anything out of it? I don't. I think City are just in such good form. And Watford, they've established themselves already as a team that's tough to beat, but City in this form, I back them to beat anyone at home. And I can see this being quite comfortable, 3-4-0, I think.
Yeah, I think I certainly, I don't know if it'll be quite that comfortable. I think Watford, you know, two clean sheets they've had in the last two games. I think Kike Sanchez-Flores certainly he's sort of identified that back line, you know, wanting to keep some clean sheets. And I think Man City, because they're facing a new promoter side, might just take their foot off the gas a little bit. So I'm going to go for a 2-0 wins. But even so, we're still picking Man City to win this one fairly comfortably. Over to the Britannia now, a two winless teams so far going head-to-head. Stoke host West Brom. Both sides needed penalties to come through their league cup ties in midweek, but West Brom will start with them, bottom of the table after defeat to Chelsea last time out. Yeah, I mean, it's never easy welcoming the champions. You know, their first home game was home to City, who have been the best team so far this season. So it's not been the easiest start for them at all. But, yeah, the game against Chelsea, you know, they'll probably look back on it and think they might have been able to get something out of it. You know, losing 3-2, you know, especially as Chelsea went down to 10 men. But I think, you know, it's the way they started the game. to so full one down like they did to Pedro's goal. And then you know, they had the chance to get back on level terms, but Morrison missing the penalty. And then they're soon punished when Costa scores. And at 2-0, you probably think it's game over, you know, a Mourinho team away from home. But to be fair to them, Morrison especially, you know, fought back, you know, got the goal before half-time. And then, you know, conceding that third goal, you know, just before the break as Pilicueta, that was a real blow for them. And But then, you know, after the second half, uh, into the second half, sorry, and, you know, Terry gets sent off and they get the goal through Morrison to get his 3-2. And, they, you know, they stood a chance there of, you know, getting a point out of the game. Couldn't quite create many too, too many chances at the end. And, yeah, like you say, midweek, the Capital One Cup game against Port Vale. You know, not being able to score there is disappointing. But in the league, bottom of the table, like you say, it has been a, a difficult start. You know, City and Chelsea, the two home games, going to Watford, you know, for their other game. You know, what that would have been Watford's first home game since getting promoted as well. So certainly the storylines of each game, you know, pointed to West Brom struggling. But, you know, to be bottom of the table after three games is disappointing. Yeah, you do have to say it is a hard start. But I think they would have gone into that game against Chelsea thinking there's not many better times to face Chelsea because they've had a poor start to the season. Terry got subbed, there was that whole thing about him, and then obviously got sent off, so they were te- playing against 10 men for a long spell. They did well in that game, there's a lot of encouraging signs for them to take out of it, but defensively now, six goals conceded in two home games, it's not like a purely side at all. I was backing them to do very well this season, I think, still think they will do quite well, but it hasn't been the best start to the season for them. And Pulis, he's been very critical of the transfer window going on while the, while the season's uh, started, which I, I think he's got a very good point, he's... He says it distracts players and Berahino's been one of those who hasn't made the squad uh, for the Chelsea game. He didn't make the squad for the midweek game in the League Cup either. Rejected two bids for Tottenham Hotspur. Pulis has always said he's he's never had a problem with Berahino. He's always defended the character. But naturally, as a youngster, when a, a team like Tottenham's coming in for him, his head is being turned and Pulis isn't happy with that. For West Brom, I think it's quite important they keep hold of him. For the player, I think it's important to stay as well because he's getting regular first-team action there. Other team is expected to push for the top-half football, so he could be in a much worse scenario, Berahino. If they do manage to keep hold of him, and they certainly don't look like they're going to let him go for cheap, they've rejected a £21 million bid now, and it'll probably take something closer to 25 if they are finally going to give in and sell him to Tottenham, but... If they're going to get rid of him, then they probably need to bring someone else in because Rondon Lambert, they've looked promising so far, but they're, they're not going to get the same amount of goals as Berahino did, I don't think. Maybe not, no, but I think Berahino, I mean, for me, it's, it's a staggering fee, isn't it? The problem is, since the bar's been set by you know, Carroll for £35 million to Liverpool, and I mean, £22 million for Berahino, that's the same price that Pedro went to Chelsea for, and you think that... I mean, I know that was only a release clause anyway, but the, the amount of money for English players is just staggering. And like I say, I think, you know, if he does stay, it'd be obviously a big for West Brom as long as his head's right. But I think if he leaves, I mean, I, mean, I think Rondon's impressed me, you know, in the sort of games I've seen him play. I think Lambert should be good for them. You know, he had a, he had a decent start in pre-season, but hasn't done too much yet. But I think, you know, we forget about Brownie Day as well. He sort of came in last season, didn't do too much, you know, in that sort of first half of last season. But he had his moments in the second half of last season, you know, showing he can be a useful player off the bench. And I think if you've got Rondon, who's going to, he's the sort of player, he looks quite, quite suited to the Premier League. He's going to put himself about. If he can do that, you know, Lambert should be able to score goals and with a day coming off the bench as well. I think if Berahino did leave, I think they certainly could cope. But, you know, like we talked about the League Cup as well, you know, 120 minutes they've had to play. And I think they'll probably be glad that Stoke have had to do the same in their game. And, yeah, they're coming to this, you know, they did get through in the end on penalties. But, you know, conceding three goals, like you said, in both games against City and Chelsea and then not being able to score against a, you know, a League One side in Port Vale in midweek. Pulis will be really you know, angry with that home form and he'll want to put it right soon. Yeah, but Stoke, they've also had a, they were under, underwhelming so it starts to the season themselves, still looking for their first win. They're another team. These are two teams I thought would do quite well this season. But Stoke, yet to really get going. One or draw with Norwich last time out. Perhaps a little fortunate to get away with even that a point there. Butler was forced into some cracking saves. He made a string of really good stops and I wouldn't be a surprise to see him named in the England squad just on that on the back of that performance. It was a really good display. Notch hit the post as well for Graham Dorans. 
it was Stoke, the Norwich is the type of team Stoke should should be beating if they want to push on for that next level. There are positives to take from that game. Shakiri made his full debut, got an assist with a really good delivery as well. Diouf got a, another goal. He's going to be an important player for them this season. They've got the players. They're just not clicking at the moment as I thought they would do. still think they'll be decent. I still think they'll certainly be top half. But it hasn't been the most encouraging start to the season for them. And Mark Hughes maybe be be beginning to get a bit worried now I think. yeah maybe yeah I think the thing about those Butland saves that really impressed me is that quite a few of them were saves that you know some some goalkeeper performances I remember Tim Howard that legendary game he had against Belgium at the World Cup you know it was sort of like countless saves made but you watch the replays back and you thought he should be making a lot of those saves but some of the Butland ones there were like saves that you thought wow you know he, he, well, you wouldn't expect him to make the save the one that from Redmond that he tipped wide was a fantastic save you know, almost as good as the Czech ones uh, for Arsenal against Liverpool he was so impressive for me in that game but yeah, I mean, it's, they're still looking for that first win, aren't they? And I mean, I know they beat Luton on penalties in the cup, but in the league, still searching for that first win. And yeah, you, you look at some of their performances, you would have said they matched Liverpool in their in that opening game, but they couldn't get the win there. And they'll certainly be wanting to get that first win soon because you know, not being able to beat Luton, you know, in normal time is disappointing as it was for West Brom to not beat Port Vale. So certainly, we wanted to get their first win and home to West Brom here, bottom of the table. You know, back at home where you where Stoke are usually quite strong. You'd certainly think they'll start this game as favourites. Do you think do you backing them to get the win? I, I think yeah, certainly I am. Yeah, I think they were you know decent against Liverpool and certainly Liverpool. It was that was sort of a clash of you know they both cancelled each other out in that first game against Liverpool. But I think Stoke here should have it more their own way in this one. I think they'll win this one two 0 Yeah, it's an interesting. Stoke have had a tough start to the season. You got to say that against Tottenham, they did really well to come back from two down. So that have been encouraging signs for this uh, for their start to the season. I'm backing them to get their first win here as well. And, West Brom, they won't make it easy. I think Pulis will be determined to keep things tight, but I see Stoke just having the quality in that final third of all the, the likes of Diouf and Shakiri to make the breakthrough. I'm going to go for a 1-0 Stoke win. So both going for narrow Stoke victories. So that's all the 3pm kickoffs on Saturday done. Let's go to the evening game between Spurs and Everton. Barnes-Everton, a win, a draw and a defeat from their first three games. How would you assess their start to the season? It's been very much a mixed bag so far, isn't it? The start to the season wasn't most encouraging at home to Watford. Needed to come from behind twice to get a draw against newly promoted side. They wouldn't have been happy with that, but to bounce back with that 3-0 win against Southampton, superb result for them, particularly considering the unease around the club there was all throughout pre-season, all throughout the summer transfer window. Against Manchester City, it was their first loss of the season last time out, but there's plenty of encouragement for them to take from it. There's no shame in losing to Man City at the moment. They're the best team in the league in the first three games, the team to beat. And Everton, they had their chances to get something out of that game. You'd have to say, in the end, City deserved their victory, but Lukaku clipped the crossbar. He had a goal disallowed, which was a very tight decision on the offside. And Barry had one cleared off the line as well. So they certainly had their moments in that game. As I say, City deserved the win in the end, but Everton, defensively, they they cope with the likes of Aguero's quite well. Um, Stones had a really good game at centre-back. We'll talk about him a bit more later on. So there's lots of positives to take out from them. They certainly feel that they can get something out of this game after a really bad start to the season against uh, Watford, you'd have to say, even though they got a point out of it, after a really bad summer transfer window as well and a poor pre-season. Things are looking a bit brighter for Everton at the moment. Yeah, they are. I think, you know, you mentioned they defended Aguero well there, but I certainly think, you know, the, I know Everton supporters, you know, I've spoken to my housemate, he's an Everton fan, and he was really annoyed with Tim Howard about the, the, the two yeah. goals, you know, the Kolarov one. I know Kolarov's got a great left foot, but it's not like he, it, it wasn't one of those really tight angle ones where he's fired it in, you know, just under the crossbar, you know, it was quite low down. Howard has got to cover his near post better there. And then the Nasri one, you know, he didn't really spread himself all that well, I didn't think. You know, he could have maybe, you know, done more of a Schmeichel and really, you know, spread himself a lot better. So that was disappointing. But the performance off Stones was very good you know he's playing very well but now you know reports came in yesterday that he's handed in his transfer request he wants that move to Chelsea you know United are said to be interested as well but I think he wants to go to Chelsea and you, you can see why you know if he goes there he can learn under you know one of the best Premier League defenders from the last 10 years John Terry you know he's got Cahill there to sort of you know England teammates as well there who he can sort of you know sort of certainly bond with and it's the national setup then he can work with them with the team and you know, now he's that he's handed in that transfer request, you do wonder if he's going to be there this weekend, and if he's not there, they look really light defensively. You know, they lost Distan this summer, who would have been, you know, the, the partners Jagielka, and they don't have Leighton Baines at left back. You know, they've got Galloway playing there at the moment. Tyus Browning, he might play. I mean, Brian Oviedo played in midweek against Barnsley, and you know, if Oviedo comes in here and they have to play, say, Galloway or Browning at centre back alongside Jagielka, that's a huge task for them. I mean, you'd expect them to sign a centre back or even two before the end of the transfer window next week, so. 
if they do that, they certainly have to identify the right player because if they lose Stones, you know, he's a fantastic talent. No, forty million if if that's what Chelsea do, but it's a it's a brilliant sum of money to get for you know a twenty twenty one year old I think he is, and if they do that, it's great. But to lose him, you know, and and for him to want really want to leave the club is bad as well. You know, handing in that transfer request. If Everton had just eventually you know caved in and said right, okay, we'll take forty million for him. That wouldn't have been as bad, but now that he signals his intentions to leave, it doesn't look quite as good. And yeah, certainly if they lose him, it would just be a huge, huge blow. It was quite a surprise for me to see Stone's hand in the transfer request because all the noises coming out of the, out of the club were that he was he wasn't that kind of the player to really force for a move. He might have wanted it, but he wouldn't have jeopardised the team by handing in a transfer request or anything like that. You have to say, in fairness to him, his performances haven't dropped at all. And but I think if he is missing this weekend, it'll be a big boost for Tottenham. Quite need a boost now after the Bonnell draw against Leicester last time out. They look like they might steal a win there with Dele Ali's first goal for the club late on, but they blew that lead straight away. Mahrez came and curled on into the far corner. Nothing Lloris could have done, but probably say they could have defended that one better. So And Maurice hit, um, Maurice hit the post in that game as well, so it could have been even worse for them in that game. It hasn't been the most promising start to the season. Obviously, they lost against Manchester United and then blew that two-goal lead against Stoke as well. So it hasn't been a very good start to the season. Still looking for their first victory. They'll hope to get this against Everton. Both teams, perhaps, with ambitions of pushing for European football again this season. So this will be a good test for them, but they need to improve on their first three performances. They certainly do, yeah. I mean, you know, still, like you say, searching that first win. I thought at United, they were you know pretty good in that game. You know, It was only that unfortunate Kyle Walker own goal that denied them. They could have easily taken the lead when Ericsson hit it just over. But yeah, it's the way they've sort of thrown away leads is the biggest worry, isn't it? Like 2-0 up at home to Stoke. And just it's too similar to last season. You know, they, they had some really poor performances at White Hart Lane last season as well. And then last week, you know, it, it was a bit of a nothing game, that Leicester game. And you thought maybe when it was 0-0 going into the sort of the final 10 minutes that Leicester being on the form that they were on might have been the one to nick the goal but then you know Ali steals in and he's done well for Spurs in pre-season he got saw quite a lot of minutes and for him to make the step up from you know league one with MK Dons to scoring in the Premier League great credit to him but then yeah like you say conceding it was almost straight away to Mares and I know Lloris couldn't do anything but the way the defenders there was two of them there and they both sort of hung their leg out legs out and didn't really commit to blocking the shot and they should have done a lot better there and yeah, it's those thrown away leads, if they've got any ambitions to break into the top four, they have to do better than that. It's, it's just conceding late as well, isn't it? And you, you've got to go for 90 minutes, and so far they haven't been able to do that. Yeah, they need to improve defensively. I think they need to improve up front as well. Harry Kane, still yet to get off the mark. We all know about his superb season last season. He was just unstoppable. He just seemed to score every single week. But yet to get off the mark, he's had one or two sides of goal, but nothing that really suggested that he can hit the heights of last season. I thought against Man United he generally played quite well on the ball. We didn't get many chances in front of goal, but he set up that Ericsson chance with a lovely dink ball over the top. But he still he's just not doesn't seem as sharp as he was last season. Doesn't seem whereas he would have taken a couple of chances that came his way. They weren't they weren't sitters by any stretch of the imagine, but last season he would have taken them. And perhaps that form is where they're going after Berahino so strongly. He's been left out of the last two West Brom squads West, uh, Tottenham have had two bids turned down for him now so it'd be quite interesting to see if they get him before September 1st transfer deadline day if they do they'll have a lot more options up front I think because Kane and Berra here know they play together for under 21s they know each other's game I think that would be a good exciting young partnership for them whether Pochettino would change his tactics and move to two up front remains to be seen, or whether he used Berahino or, or perhaps Kane the way he started the season as an su- impact sub to come off the bench. We're not sure about that yet, but I think he would, Berahino would be a good signing for them. They'd have to shell out a lot of money to get him, I think. As you say, with England, English players overpriced, it would be Berahino. I don't think he's worthy of that price tag just yet. He may be in the future, which is... Tottenham probably paying for his potential as well but I think it'd be a decent signing for them nonetheless Certainly would be and you think that you know, Kane especially if because of all the Stones incidences you think that maybe Kane would really take advantage and be hoping that there's that inexperienced centre-back you know, alongside Jagielka if Stones can't play and if so he might be able to get off the mark but what's your score prediction? I can see this one being a draw to be honest the two evenly matched teams you'd say on paper I have to say Everton have probably had just a slightly better start to the season with that win over Southampton but I can see Tottenham holding them to a one-all draw here yeah, I think I would have sort of at the start of the week before the Stones transfer request maybe picked Everton to win this one. I thought Lukaku, you know, Spurs defence haven't looked great. I think he might have been able to cause them problems, but without Stones there, I think Spurs might just have the edge on back them to win two one. So got one draw and a Spurs win. Moving on to Sunday's matches now, where Southampton hosts Norwich in the early kickoff. 
Start with the home side, so impressive last season, but still looking for their first win of this campaign. Yeah, they're in the bottom three, aren't they? 18th place, you know, like you say, still looking for that first win. And last time out in the league, you know, they go to Watford, and it's, it's not the easiest game, you know, Watford away. You know, Watford have looked, they've had a fairly solid start to the season, you know, they, they're still looking for their first win as well. But to not score, you know, again on the road, you know, that's two games in a row now they haven't scored, you know, losing that home defeat to Everton was really crushing because they started the game okay, but then, you know, losing 3 0 at home, disappointing. But, Against Watford, it was a bit of a nothing game, really. A game of very few chances, and if anything, Watford did have the better chances. But I think you could see both managers at the end. You could just see they, they sort of you know shook hands, and you could tell they were probably saying you know fair point. You know that that was that was an okay result for them. But yeah, you know, like you say, so good last season, getting seventh place. They could have easily finished fifth if they'd sort of just finished the season a little better. But 18th at the moment, it has been a really really tough start for them. You know, they, took, they had a blow in that Watford game, losing Mane uh, to injury in the first half because he's had quite a slow start to the season as well. And now he's gone off and he's now a doubt for this game. But, you know, if he's not there, you know, like I said, they've struggled to score goals. So without him, you know, Pella hasn't quite found the form yet either. So there is problems for them at the moment and they'll certainly want to get their first win. Yeah, Coleman was very eager to look at the positives, wasn't he, after that game. He's mentioned their first clean sheet of the season, which was important to get, considering at the second, only Chelsea conceded fewer goals last season. Their success was built on a really strong defence. Attacking wise, you mentioned their problems, but if they, they're looking at bringing van, Virgil van Dijk in from Celtic, I think their hopes of getting him were given a boost when Celtic lost against Malmo, got knocked out of the Champions League. I think if Celtic had been in the Champions League, van Dijk might have been able to be persuaded to stay, but he he's a standout performer for Celtic. It'd be interesting to see, as it always is with people coming down from Scotland, how they adapt to the Premier League. But I think he he's got all the physical attributes to succeed in the Premier League. I think he'd be a good signing for Southampton side. We know they've they've lost so many key players over the last two seasons. They did really well to bounce back from it last season. Perhaps you can't afford to do that two seasons in a row. We'll see throughout the rest of the campaign. But it's certainly been a tough start for Southampton. I think. This game in particular, they'll be desperate to bounce back at home because that 3-0 defeat to Everton, as you mentioned, that was a, it was a big shot with people expecting Southampton, who was so impressive at home last season. Only Chelsea conceded more home goals as well, but Southampton, I think they conceded 13 home goals last season, already conceded three in one game this time, so they'll be really keen to bounce back in front of their own fans here. Certainly will do. And you, at the start of the season, they would have thought, right, you know, they might have looked at this one and said Norwich at home should be a fairly easy one, but not at all the way Norwich have started the season. You know, lost on the opening day to Palace, you know, then uh, then got that uh, win at, um, at Sunderland, it was, and then the draw at home to Stoke last time out. And when you look back at all three games, they did win at Sunderland, but the other two, they could have easily won all three games. I think against Palace, you know, they for the most part of that, they were the better team than Palace. You know, they, they had that disallowed goal and penalty not given as well, so that could have easily gone in their favour. And then last time out against Stoke, but for a you know virtuoso performance from Jack Butland, you know they would have won that game. Some of the saves he made were absolutely brilliant. You know Norwich, they've really impressed me. To be fair, I thought they've gone up with pretty much the same squad as last year from the Championship. You know the playoff winners are the, the lowest finishers of the three Championship sides, and they've struggled to really sign players so far this summer. But they're playing some really exciting football. You have to say Alex Neil, only 33 years old, the manager, but he's got them playing really well. And in midweek as well, they went to Rotherham uh, in the cup and won there. I think they were quite fortunate there. Whereas at the weekend, Butland sort of stopped them winning. The Norwich keeper really played well against uh, Rotherham, Declan Rudd. Uh, but they're through to the next round there, you know, playing well in the league. And at the moment, that it looks really good. You know, they're eighth in the table. Yeah, and it was Ricky Van Rooswinkel who got the goal in midweek. And if they can get him firing on all cylinders, it'll be a, like a new signing for them because never happened for him in his first spell there before going out on loan to Lisbon. And he got one goal. I think that was on the opening day of the season as well. It, j- it just didn't happen for him. And if they obviously brought him in for a lot of money. They saw something in him. If he can get a few goals, it'd be a huge boost for them. Even if he doesn't, they're obviously in for a new striker at the moment. Big money uh, offer put in for Benikafobi, who's really impressed in the Championship since his move to Wolves. That would be a good sign. And he's, it looks like he's got the attributes to succeed in the Premier League. So it'd be interesting to see how he does there. I think they've got a lot of good providers. Redmond's really impressed me so far this season. Brady's got superb delivery, but Redmond's been the standout player for Norwich so far. And if he can carry on that form and they bring in a goal scorer to put those crosses in to the, into the back of the net, then they'll start picking up wins in those games that you mentioned that they should have been winning so far. Yeah, I think I've seen them linked with Glenn Murray as well. I think if they get either, I think Murray's still a decent Premier League strike. I know Bournemouth have been linked to them as well, but I mean, a phobia is 14 million, I think the Wolves want for him, and that is a lot of money for a striker who costs just 2 million in January. But like you say, he has been really impressive for Wolves. And 
I think certainly they probably need that extra striker. Like you say, great, they've got some great suppliers there. But if they do get a new striker, and I think there'll certainly be some leaving. You know, Lewis Graben. There was the story about him in midweek. He, you know, against Rotherham, I think he would have been expecting to play in the in the in the Capital One Cup against the Championship side. And you know, he was named as a substitute, and then apparently stormed out of the hotel, just went AWOL. I think he was really angry. So I mean, you'd expect him to now leave the club if if he goes. And I see Gary Hooper's been linked with Sheffield Wednesday as well. And you think that if both of them go, it wouldn't be so big a loss. But you think. If, if both of those do go, they certainly need to get another striker in because, say, injuries happen, you know, Jerome gets injured, you know, they might struggle. But I think certainly a foe beat or Glen Murray would be an upgrade on Graben and Hooper, who don't really seem like Premier League strikers to me. So they've probably deserved more than they've got so far. Do you see them getting anything out of this one? Uh, I don't, to be honest. I think Southampton, you know, back at home, you know, I think against Everton in their last home game, they did start the game quite well. They could have been in front and then Everton hit them on the counter. And, you know, it, the game just went away from them uh, yeah. after that. But I think here in a game where they probably should have more control, I mean, Norwich will be dangerous on the counter as well. But I think Southampton probably just edged this one 2-1. Yeah, I completely agree with that. Norwich have shown enough signs that they can cause Southampton problems. But Southampton had due a good performance, especially at home where they were so impressive last season. So I'm going to agree with that 2-1. So both going for 2-1 victories there. Okay, doke. on to the final game of the weekend, the final game before the international break at the Liberty Stadium between Swansea and Manchester United. Barnes, two unbeaten sides. We'll start with Man U. You know, they had a 100% record, but they lost that at home to Newcastle last time. Yeah, really disappointing result for them, and it was a game they really should have won. It looked like a home banker. They're always good against Newcastle, especially at home. They... They began the season with two wins, wasn't the most encouraging performances, one from an own goal, one from a deflected goal, so they weren't they weren't at their best going into the match, but they really should have won the match. They created enough chances, Rooney had a few chances, Memphis had a few chances, Krull was forced into eight saves, but only two of them were really, they really stretched him, and in the end, United perhaps fortunate not to lose the game, Mitrovic hit the bar with a really good header, and then the late on break, three on one chance, which Newcastle didn't make the most of. United, they came... Uh, they hit the woodwork themselves through Smalling, hit the post late on. They just couldn't find a way through. It's just really worrying signs for them, really, at the start of this season. Because, as I mentioned, fortunate to get their two goals so far in the league and couldn't find a way through against Newcastle. Something's not quite right up there. Fellaini's back for this one, which is a big boost for them, especially as Van Hal said he was going to play him as a striker now. So be interesting to see if Rooney drops back into the number 10 role and Fellaini starts up front, give them more of an aerial threat or change their change their style because something needs to change at the moment because it hasn't been a convincing start for them in front of goal. Yeah, I think Rooney especially, you know, people thought this season, you know, last season he playing centre midfield sometimes, you know, he's playing sometimes off the striker, but this season, you know, he is the focal point of that attack, but he's on a real goal drought at the moment. He's at 10 games without a goal, he's gone, and a long old time without a goal. His longest, worst goal drought since 2007, so that's eight years, you know. Long old time without a goal, and Memphis, you know, impressed, you know, in, that, in, the, home, in the home leg against uh, Club Bruges, but... You know, he hasn't quite hit the ground running in the league and you just wonder if there's enough there up front. You talked about Fellaini there. Certainly, if Van Gaal said that he's going to be a striker this season, you know, he played there sometimes last year, but usually he goes forward sort of in the 80th minute and goes and leads the line when United need to sort of just pump it into the box. You know, you think if he's going to maybe start as an out-and-out striker from the word go, if that's the right way to go, because then, then, you're, then you're moving Rooney around again, you're unsettling him and you think that maybe... You'd expect Rooney to have the quality to come through and start mm. scoring goals, but if you then unsettle him, you know, you, you've got to wonder who's going to play where. And there's still the worry about on the right because, you know, it looked like they were going to get Pedro and he was going to sort of be that player down the right. And he's gone to Chelsea and got off to a brilliant start, which is even worse for United. You wonder how they didn't tie up that deal considering it looked like the only destination for him mm. for a long, long, long time. So for him not to do that, Memphis needs to start scoring in the league and. They need more from midfield. You know, Matt has got to do more. You know, you wonder if Herrera might start playing a bit more. You know, he's a real fan favourite there, but he's barely played this season. You know, I don't think he's started a league game yet, so that's disappointing for him. And they do need a lot more going forward because, you know, no, no team scored fewer than them this season. You know, only two league goals in three games, and they've got to address that quickly. I think it's going to be very interesting to see how he does use Fellaini. He's always been the plan B so far. Throw him on with a bit left and get that aerial threat up front. And usually it works. He usually looks like the most dangerous player in the United team when he comes on just because he poses such an aerial threat in the box whether he starts using him as a plan A I'd be quite surprised if he does do that partly because it's not the Manchester United way to just do long balls for the whole game he's a very effective plan B he's a big impact sub off the bench but if United don't start scoring then he might be tempted to throw Fellaini in from the start get him to knock balls down to Rooney maybe in the number 10 role and things like that so up front there are problems I think defensively they've been very sound so far there's obviously the whole saga still going on with De Gea 
Uh, he's not in the, He hasn't been in the squad so far this season. Is he going to go to uh, Real Madrid? Time's running out now for that deal to be concluded. So it'll be interesting to see that. But Romero, Romero's made a decent start. Hasn't had any real tests so far. There's been a couple of saves he's had to make. But the likes of Smalling in front of him and Blind, they've formed a really good centre-back partnership. They've started the season very well. Shaw's stayed fit so far this season. He's had a good start this season. Damian's made a fantastic start to his United career. So big uh, positive signs at the back for them. They just need to improve at the other end of the field. Yeah, they're still yet to concede a league goal this season, but they come up against you know one of the best teams so far in the league this season in Swansea, who you know sit there two draws and a win from their opening three games. You know they started the season with that excellent performance at Stamford Bridge against Chelsea and could have easily won that game. You know then you know comfortably beat Newcastle at home last time out. You know go to Sunderland who you know had a really really poor start and they started that game. You know heavy favourites for that game and took the lead. It was an excellent goal. You know brilliant through ball and go miss the form he's in. You know fantastic finish across goal and. From there, you thought the way Sunderland are going, and you see in midweek especially conceding three in the first half against Exeter Sunderland. So you thought maybe once Swansea broke the deadlock in the, uh, there, you know, thought maybe the game was there for the taking, but they couldn't quite push on from that. Defoe gets the equaliser for Sunderland, and the game finishes as a draw. And you think that's probably the way Swansea are going. You know, a, a game away from home at the Stadium of Light in sort of in the last couple of seasons, a point there is a decent result. But the way Swansea have been so far this season, I think they'll certainly look at that as two points dropped rather than a point gained. Yeah, and I think. The one thing you'd say about Swansea's start to the season, as impressive as they have been, is that Sunderland game is the first time they've played against a team who have finished with 11 men. So maybe they've benefited from red cards in the first two games. Monk, maybe, do they have the ability to break down 11 men if they're sitting back? I think personally they do. I think they've got the creativity in their ranks. Ayou's made a really good start to his Swansea career. Two goals in three games. Could have had three and three, hit the post in that in that last match, last time out. Gomez is... It looks like a, a really good finisher at the moment. That finish against Sunderland was superb into the bottom corner. He's got three and three now. He's on a fantastic scoring streak. And on the left-hand side, Montero, first two games in particular, looked unstoppable. So I think they do have the creativity to go. It was, a, it, As you say, it was a pretty poor um, result against Sunderland, considering how both teams had started the season. But I wouldn't be panicking so far if I was going. Monkeys had a good start to the campaign. Yeah, they certainly have. And you talked about those three sort of forward players there. And they're still, you know, the likes of Shelby and Sigurdsson are still to sort of hit you know, their best form this season. There's probably more to come from them and Swansea looking like a strong side. Do you think they can you know, inflict a first defeat of the season on United? Yeah, well, they beat them. They did the double over them last season so they've, they've got Van Hal's number a little bit. I think it's going to be a close one, a tight one to call. United haven't been so convincing as I mentioned so far. Swansea have probably been out of the two teams the better so far this season. So I think I'm going to go for a draw one all. One all, yeah. I actually completely agree with that. I think that United, they will get broken down in this one but... I can't see them causing Swansea loads of problems, but I think a bit of quality will just shine through. So I'm going to back a one or draw as well. So both seeing this one finishing even. So that's all 10 games covered. Head to sportsmore.co.uk for live text coverage of every single one. We'll be back after the international break. Thanks for listening. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. 